Good morning, y'all. I trust that y'all had a great Christmas. I know we did. It was a little crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but it is good to, to be back. Looking forward to the new year. If it is your first time with us uh, today, welcome to First Baptist uh, Pineville. We're excited that you're here. And we do ask uh, that you would open up your worship guide. There's a connection card. It's this little blue card right here that you'd fill it out. And at the end of the service, there'll be a chance for you to, to turn that into us. Uh, and that would just allow us to get to know you a little bit, to contact you, and uh, also specifically to pray for your needs. If you'd put prayer requests on there, and this goes for members as well, uh, we pray every Tuesday morning as a staff over those prayer requests. So if you send those to us, we'd love to have that opportunity to pray for y'all specifically. Uh, for those online as well, uh, thank you for, for joining us this morning. Um, I look forward to a great service this morning. Let's pray. Generally, Father, thank you for, for today. Lord, thank you for the fact that we are here together. Um, Lord, despite the, the rainy weather, despite the craziness of the holidays, Lord, I, I just am so grateful that we have this opportunity to meet together uh, in your presence, Father, to worship you. And I just pray that that's exactly what happens, that by the words that come out of our mouths, uh, by the way that we listen, by the way our hearts are attuned to you, Father, I just pray that you are brought so much glory this morning. Lord, be with us, make your presence known, speak to us so clearly. And Lord, if it is your will, I pray that we see salvations today. We love you, and we give you all the praise and glory for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, is it indeed a pleasure to have you all here? But we have a number of distinguished guests with us today, and I want you to get to know them and to meet them as we go throughout the day. They are guests of the Kent family, and we're delighted to welcome Dr. Roberto Lugo and his wife Nancy there with us today. Dr. Lugo is the dean of the Paraguay Baptist Theological Seminary, which is affiliated with Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And they also have a baby girl, Anabaya, that is with us, probably in the nursery. Is that right? In the nursery. Amen. That's so great. We're, I guarantee you nobody came to church as far as they did today. Amen? <laughs> From Paraguay. And they also brought Brina Lopez. Brina is their music director uh, at their church, at First Baptist Church, Luque, Paraguay. We are so glad that you all are here, and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Pineville. And we know that you are experiencing some tremendous hospitality hanging out with the Kent family. We dearly love them and are so thankful that you all are here. Pastor Stewart is away today on some much-needed R&R, although he is at church. He is at our mission church uh, down in Plaquemines at uh, Point of Life Church, uh, but he is taking the, the day off to be with his family and we're delighted to have John Abair preaching with us today. John, you are among friends, and we count you a friend as well. John serves in the missions and ministry as the missions and ministry coordinator for the Louisiana Baptist Convention. John and I go way, way back before we both had hair. Amen? And uh, so, John, we look forward to having you and hearing you today. Thank you for standing in the gap for us today. Let's sing together. We'll just stand, and let's worship together. God of the ages. Yeah. 
I'm so thankful that love lifted me. Let's sing this great hymn of our faith together.
Amen. Thank you. Please be seated.
we sing the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. Worship with us as we sing.
Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, what a beautiful name it is. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your Son. Lord, bless us this day. Bless us this time of season, Lord, that we could lift him up to you. Be with us this day, Lord. Be with us now in this time of this service. Bless the gift and the giver. Use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I've been excited about this day since uh, Brother Stewart uh, actually emailed me about two months ago. So he's been planning this, and I said, well, brother, I, I hope you're just going on vacation. Uh, and he said, uh, well, of course, it's some much-needed R&R, so we're all good. I'm uh, John A. Bear, I, as Kevin mentioned, and uh, we have known each other a long time. My first pastorate, he was in Natchitoches, and uh, we served together in sister churches in that uh, district, and uh, we did some things together. Matter of fact, he came and helped me with my youth at one point. So, Kevin, I'm indebted to you for that help. And then we served together to the Louisiana Baptist Convention. I see many other friends here. Mike Kennedy, whom I took place of at LBC when he retired. Mike, thank you for letting me have that spot, too, by the way. Uh, Kim Swallow sitting in the choir. Vanessa sitting by, beside her earlier, my neighbor and friend. Kim and I served together at Unity Baptist Church. And so many of you, Bo Colley, I couldn't do without the Colleys, I tell you great friends of mine, and so many others. I, I'm blessed to uh, be a resident of this parish and to have served for a long time in Rapids Parish. My wife is with me today. She wouldn't sit by me, of course. She had to sit by Beverly over there. Kitty, stand up so they can see you. She's the librarian at Pineville High School, and, uh, and she knows more people than I know. I'll tell you that. She's been teaching for about 35 years, and cross paths with so many. I've been so blessed to serve as a state director of missions for Louisiana Baptist Convention since 2011. Uh, we set a goal in 2011 to plant 300 churches by 2020, and I want to announce to you this morning that we are at 265 churches planted in Louisiana since 2010. And the Lord has blessed that effort by, through partners like you. First Baptist Church Pineville has helped us plant a couple of churches, and particularly the one at Moorville that uh, Brother Stewart is worshiping in this morning. And so we are, we're grateful to our partners. I want you to know the Georgia Barnett State Missions offering is up a little bit this year, uh, and that's always a blessing. And uh, God is using that in great ways to reach our state for Christ. I thought about for weeks now about what I would say to you when we gathered together. And I thought, well, you know, this is the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's. What's on everybody's mind? LSU football, I know. But never mind. Besides that, uh, one of the things that we're all thinking about is, you know, what, what kind of decisions are we going to make in, in the new year? And a lot of us, you know, maybe make a New Year's resolution. And so I'm not going to preach on New Year's resolution, but I want to give you some material this morning that will help you consider some things about the new year. In particularly, uh, you know, you may not realize how wealthy a nation we are, but after I tell you a few things, you're going to really be flabbergasted about our wealth. And, and so maybe one of your resolutions is going to be about your financial future, okay? Okay. Uh, I, I want to caution you, don't be like the lady that prayed about her resolution, and she said, Lord, make my bank account fat and my body thin, and don't get them mixed up like you did last year, okay? Uh, so I want to help you uh, to be able to consider some things this morning that I think will make for good uh, resolutions, if you would, or commitments for the year 2020. Because really, we live in a materialistic world. Many people share the philosophy of a 
certain successful person that said, if you want to be successful, you got to go where the money is and get all the money you can get out of there before somebody gets all the money you got from you, okay? That was his philosophy on things. Or you might be like former Treasury Secretary Lord Benson, uh, Lloyd Benson, who said, money is not the key to life, but if you've got enough money, you can have a key made. Uh, in contrast to those, Jesus said this, what it is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So I want you to know at the bottom of this message this morning, it's the souls of men, women, boys, and girls that's most important. Amen? It's important to me as a pastor, teacher, leader, denominational servant, and I know it's impo important to you as a believer and a member of a church that's on mission with God. Souls are what it's all about. If you're here this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray more than anybody else here, you will consider the things that you hear. Uh, Paul wrote to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I do apologize for not having notes on the board. Uh, I took a, a, a week off before this and uh, 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 didn't uh, didn't call them in. So, but anyway, you you can follow. We'll do it the old timey way today. Okay, uh, in First Timothy chapter six, Paul is writing to young Timothy, who is a young pastor, and Paul is currently in prison, and he gives him some advice. And this advice is not only good for pastors; it's good for all of us, uh, because he he cautions him about how he deals with those. Uh, with his own personal life and, 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 and teaching others about wealth. Uh, Paul states that a godly life is the greatest thing that a person can have. Matter of fact, in verse 6, that's how he starts off. Uh, godliness is so, so important. And with a godly life, we can be completely satisfied. But next, he gives a, a warning to people who are, in, who are in danger of falling into great sin. And the reason for that danger is, is the pursuit of wealth and material possessions. Uh, he instructs Timothy to warn those people, the rich and the proud, uh, to be laying up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. And you, you know, I know already somebody's asked themselves or said to themselves, well, what is he talking about? I'm not rich. Well, I want to share some things with you this morning that will help you understand how rich you really are. I'm going to use some numbers, so uh, stay with me, okay? The GDP, gross domestic product of the United States, it's a number a total of all the goods and services, and there's a formula for working it out, and all nations on the face of the earth are, are rated by this number. It's a, it's a figure. The United States GDP is somewhere around $20 trillion. Okay, that's the goods, services that are produced in a nation. The closest country to us is China, who is estimated this year to be around 13 to 14 trillion dollars. There's only 18 nations that have economies, gross domestic product, that, is, that are over 1 trillion dollars. 
the number three on that list after 20 trillion, 13 trillion is Japan, and their gross domestic product is only five trillion. Okay? Now, stay with me. We are the richest nation in the world. Secondly, we spent on Christmas in 2019, Americans. Anybody know that number? Over a trillion dollars on Christmas. So that means if just our, if our gross domestic product was just what we spent on Christmas this year, we would be the 17th most wealthy nation in the world. Out of 200, roughly 200 nations in, on, the, in the, on the globe. Well, the next thing you probably said to yourself is, well, what about the poor? What about the poor? Well, if you add up the total spent on Medicare and other welfare programs in the United States budget, it comes out to over a trillion dollars. So if the poor were a nation unto themselves and that was their gross domestic product, they would be the 17th most wealthy nation in the world. Now, nobody here can say, but I ain't wealthy. Because, folks, we are. When you compare us to the rest of the world, we are. So this message is for every one of us. Our text is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 12, and then I'm going to skip down to 17, 18, and 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, and so we, can take nothing, uh, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal truth to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainties of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now, just by reading those verses, I hope that's helped you as you consider what kind of commitments you'll make for 2020. 
The first thing that I want to discuss on this subject is the, the fact that wealth is temporal, so we should view it rightly. This passage and, and the words of Jesus reminds us about wealth being temporary. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures where the moth, uh, where rust corrupts and uh, thieves break in to steal. But he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The truth of it is, we can't take anything in this world with us. Everything that we gather is temporal, so we should have the right attitude about the things that we possess. We should have the right attitude about our, our possessions, our money, and all those kind of things. And so we should view it rightly. This is a simple reminder of the true place of wealth in our lives. Since we brought nothing into the world, we will take nothing out of the world. W.T. Wagner was the Secretary of State under Dwight D. Eisenhower. He was a very wealthy man. He owned a ranch in Texas that was 500,000 acres. He once took a man for a ride on his ranch and he said, you can ride 50 miles in that direction and you'll be on my property. You can go 50 miles in that direction and you'll be on my property. And uh, uh, he, he was one of the most wealthy men on, in the United States at, in that day. And when he died, someone said, I wonder how much W.T. left. And somebody said, well, he left it all. Friends, that is the reality of life. We're going to leave it all here. And so we need to view it in that kind of perspective. Not that it's the permanent thing, most important thing in our life. It's, it is, it is a, a temporal thing. Just when a man says, I've got it made, time runs out on him. Depreciation, the rust of inflation, the theft by thieves, all of these things. And we need to be laying up treasures in heaven instead. Temporary holdings are not riches. Riches only are the things that cannot be taken from us. No man is rich to whom the grave brings bankruptcy. I'm glad that your church is committed to the goal of, of the gospel because you see that's what's most important and most real in the world and in, in our lives. Because through the gospel, we can leave lasting treasures, treasures for eternity to men, women, boys, and girls. And I'm grateful to uh, work with a, an organization like the Louisiana Baptist Convention, to work with churches like your church and many, many others who are committed to that and bringing the gospel to Louisiana. No man is rich when the grave makes him bankrupt. This morning, if you're here and you've not trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to get these things. Firstly, that God loves you that Christ died for you, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can find peace and eternal salvation for your soul if you'll trust him as Lord and Savior. Secondly, wealth is a temptation, so you better watch it carefully. Verse 9 reminds us of this, but those who want to get rich, it says, fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
This is a friendly warning, in other words, uh, that you need to be careful with riches or careful with your desire toward riches because with it comes great temptation. Uh, the next verse says, for the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil as some, as some have uh, claimed. It says it's the, the, the source or the, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, money can be used in a good way to do good things for the kingdom of God, to do good things for your community, for your family, to do many good things. But the desire to chase after money uh, is indeed the root of all evil. Uh, there's, there's two things that we need to focus on. We need to use money and love people, not do it the other way around, not love money and use people. And so we need to be careful with our attitude toward money. John Ruskin was an English writer that talked about a man being on a ship with, loaded with gold. And when the ship began to sink, he got, a, uh, he got a, a money belt and he stuffed it full of gold and he wrapped it around him and, and, and jumped in the water and tried to save himself. But the money pulled him, the gold pulled him down and drowned him in the ocean. And he asked the question in his novel, did the man have the money or did the money have the man? Friends, we need to be careful in our lives about whether we own our possessions or whether our possessions own us. And as we look at the new year, maybe that's something we need to keep in mind uh, when we make commitments and, and decisions about uh, how we're going to live in 2020 and in the next decade. Uh, get it right because it is oh so important. It takes a spiritually mature person to handle wealth. You may not be familiar with the name William Fleming, but if you're a Southwestern Seminary grad, you probably are because the library at Southwestern is named the William Fleming Library. William Fleming was an oil man in Texas. Uh, he was one of the early wildcat guys that went around just looking for oil everywhere he could, uh, could search. And when he hit his first big well, his, his company, his team, the, member, the people that worked for him, they, they were just jumping up and down with joy, shouting and how they, they had hit the, the big pay, payload. They had, they'd struck it rich. And William Fleming went into a tool shed, got down on his knees, and he prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, please don't let this money make a fool out of me. So many people in our world have let their money, their possessions, Make a fool out of them. But William Fleming prayed to God and said, God, don't let this make a fool out of me. William Fleming in his lifetime gave somewhere between 15 and 20 million dollars to the causes of charity and to the cause of Christ. Your prayer this morning and in entering into a new year might be like that. It would be wise to pray William Fleming's prayer. Lord, don't let my stuff make a fool out of me because wealth can be a great temptation.
Thirdly, wealth is a trust, so we need to use it wisely. Timothy is told to charge those who are rich in verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, which, which richly supplies all things to enjoy. And then he goes on to say, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Now, folks, we need, that, that's wise use of, of our wealth. That's a, uh, and there's so many folks in this church and in all the churches of the Louisiana Baptist Convention that are committed to the cause of Christ, committed so that they, they're, they're, they're committed to the tithe in the church. They give regularly. They support the ministry of the church. They support the ministry of the kingdom. And I applaud you for that commitment. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe this year is the year for you. Maybe you have been giving, but maybe not giving the tithe. And maybe you want to grow in your giving until you truly can become a tither. I want you to understand the great criticism of the church, you know. People out there always say, well, you know, the church just wants your money. But let me tell you, it's not the gift we seek. It's the heart of the believer that we seek. And, and that money that is given in our churches uh, fuels the work of the kingdom, both here in our state, in our nation, and around the globe. In the coming year, you're going to be hearing a lot of numbers about international missions and, and, and Louisiana missions and national missions. Uh, you know, we're down to about 3,500 missionaries internationally in, in right now. And there's going to be a push to get that number back over 4,000. And actually, the goal is going to be around 4,200 missionaries on the international mission field. You're going to hear a lot about that in 2020. There's groups that have been meeting and trying to set goals led by Dr. Ronnie Floyd, our executive director of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he's going to inspire and he's going to do what he does best, promote the cause of sending missionaries around the globe. Friends, I think that's a wise use of our wealth, don't you? We certainly need to reach the world for Christ. You need to ask yourself a question. Is my happiness directly related to my possessions or my 401K? Boy, it's a good year for 401Ks. Everybody ought to be happy, amen, if that's where your happiness is connected to. But certainly as a believer, our happiness should not be connected to our wealth or our possessions. Our happiness is an internal happiness that comes from a joy in knowing Christ, comes from a joy in serving Christ. It comes from a joy in seeing other, other people become followers, believers, and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what should drive our happiness. We should use our wealth to accomplish noble deeds that will ensure eternal wealth for others. We are distributing agents of God's blessings in the world. We've laid up for ourselves treasures in heaven, and now we need to distribute those blessings to other people. You, uh, you can't 
end up in the position saying, I can't trust God to provide for me, so I'm going to have to provide for myself. Though many people have come to that conclusion. We need to be different. We need to understand that God has provided for us, and therefore we need to provide for others. I like surprises, don't you? I, I like some surprises, let's say. Maybe you don't like bad surprises. None of us do. But I'm going to tell you some good surprises about becoming a, a regular and cheerful giver. The first surprise that you'll get when you become a tither is there will be a deepening of your spiritual life simply by becoming committed to that point. The second surprise is that there will be an ease of meeting the obligations with the other nine-tenths of your income. The third surprise is that you will be surprised at the amount of money you have for the Lord's work. The fourth surprise is that you'll realize how easy it is to give a tenth or more to the cause of the Lord, uh, for the Lord. The fifth surprise is that the preparation uh, tithing gives you to be a, a faithful steward uh, in all of your life, in, uh, with all of your possessions, with all of your time. And the sixth surprise is you'll be surprised you didn't do it earlier. Amen? There are six surprises you might want to enjoy. Let me tell you a story about Hardy Duke. You may not have known Hardy Duke. Hardy Duke was a man from another century in the late 1800s. Hardy grew up in Georgia in 1852. He was born. His father was killed in the first battle of Manasseh. You, his, you Civil War buffs know that was the first battle of the Civil War uh, after Fort Sumner nonetheless. Uh, but anyway, he was, his father was killed in the first battle of the Civil War. When he got half grown, they moved to Texas after the war in the 1870s, uh, and he started a, 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 one of the earliest five-and-dime stores. Woolworths was actually the first big five-and-dime store in the country. Uh, actually, they called it a five-cent store. Inflation made them change it to a five-and-ten-cent store, okay? But anyway, they called them dime stores, or, or nickel stores originally, right, that was. Uh, but anyway, uh, Hardy Duke... Uh, had $700 in his pocket. And he was committed to the cause of the kingdom, later a, a, a member of First Baptist Church Dallas, where he gave testimony after testimony across the country. But he had $700, and he and his wife, and they'd saved this money through farming, and they wanted to uh, start their business, and they were going to start a, a mercantile operation that in, eventually became a, a group of over 50 stores across Texas and Oklahoma. Hardy Duke said he committed to give a tithe to the work of the Lord off that $700 and every bit of income he ever received for the rest of his life. And that's what he did. And the Lord blessed his business, and it grew, and it, it became profitable. He, he and his wife made another commitment that when their net worth reached the amount of $100,000. Now, remember, this was like 1900 okay? When their net worth reached $100,000, he was going to give all the additional money that he received from his business to the cause of Christ. And Hardy Duke gave un, untold amount of money to the cause of the kingdom as a good steward. The same kind of steward that we need to be. 
committed to the kingdom, and blessed by the Lord. Be a good steward in everything that God has given us. I hope that you'll consider these things as you're welcoming in the new year. You might be like Coach Ed Ogeron. Hello. Anybody watch a ball game yesterday? Is there any Oklahoma fans here today? We're praying for you, brother. That was a great day for LSU football. We just hope January 13th is going to be as good a day. Amen? Uh, Coach O called in one of his players that was having a rough time in school. He wasn't doing that well, to say the least. And he said, uh, Coach O said, boy, tell me about your grades. <laughs> he said, well, Coach, he said, I got an F in English. I got an F in chemistry. I got an F in psychology. I got an F in sociology. And have a D in history. Coach O said, son, it's evident to me that you're spending way too much time on one subject. <laughs> That's how you may feel about this sermon this morning. You might be thinking, well, he spent entirely too much time on this one subject. But friends, I want you to know that that's, that's not so. Because Jesus said that this is so important. And we need to understand how important it is to us as Americans. Because we are the wealthiest people on the planet. None of us can, you heard my illustration, my, my, my statistics a while ago. None of us can deny that fact. And so we need to be careful. The kingdom of God should be first in our lives, above all. And if it's not, in 2020, I pray you get it right. We get it right for the sake of the next generation. We're going to have an invitation in just a minute. Brother Thomas is going to come help me with the invitation, but I pray that if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't let this day go by that you don't pray the prayer of trust in Christ. And it's a simple prayer. You simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I know that I'm a sinner, but I repent of my sins and put my faith and trust in you. And if you'll pray that prayer, trust Jesus Christ, he'll do what he says. He will come into your heart and save you. And you too will become a child of God, an eternal being, dweller in heaven for eternity. You can do that today. Maybe you want to do that today. Or maybe you want to come and rededicate your life or join this church on Promise of Letter. But I want to encourage you to make that commitment today. Let's stand together. Brother Kevin and other musicians will come back to the platform and lead us in a hymn of invitation. Brother Thomas will be here at the front to receive you. And you, you come. You come and share your commitment with him, whatever it might be. And you can start 2020 in the best way possible. You come as we sing.